Hi, this is Olivia Berkman, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. FEI's Committee on Corporate Reporting has released two ICFR insights, issues, and practices documents that address internal control considerations for preparers' adoption of both the new leases standard and the new current expected credit loss or CECL standard. I spoke with Laura Phillips, Google's Director of Finance Compliance and CCR ICFR Working Group Leader, Matt Jan Zurich, Procter & Gamble's Director of Finance and Accounting and CCR ICFR Leases Pilot Team Leader, and Craig Schmidt, Wells Fargo's Governance and Oversight Leader and CCR ICFR CECL Pilot Team Leader about what preparers can learn from these documents and their biggest takeaways from the experience. Thank you all for joining me today. Uh, let's start with Laura. What prompted you to draft these documents? Thanks, Olivia. It's the latest high point in a multi-year journey for us. The Committee on Corporate Reporting is composed of about 40 very large public companies. The committee has been engaged for the past several years in a dialogue with the PCOB, the SEC, and the largest audit firms to try to sort out why many public companies have encountered what they've perceived as a misalignment between auditor and management understanding of how to assess and report on a company's system of internal control. Even within the CCR, there's been a lot of diversity in experience. Some companies have had a good experience with their auditors and have said they have no issues with how to evaluate internal control and how auditors evaluate it. Other companies have been experiencing tensions. They saw misalignment among what they think the SEC guidance to management instructs them to do, what the COSO internal control framework calls for, and what auditors have been expecting. One of the issues that makes this area challenging is that there's so much judgment and subjectivity involved. Context and fact patterns are very important to the analysis. This is a different space from the requirements contained in accounting standards. What does it mean to have effective internal control? How does management assess it? This has never been compliance for compliance sake. It's about managing and identifying risk and how in a pragmatic way you adequately control risk. The CCR had suggested for a while that our capital markets needed something akin to the EITF to deal with internal control and auditing issues and address this diversity in experience with detailed practice guidance that would have been authoritative, again, akin to the EITF. We initially embarked on drafting these two documents as a type of proof of concept. We called them pilot documents to prove that it was possible to write meaningful, non-authoritative practice guidance addressing internal control over financial reporting. And Laura, what do you hope to achieve with the issuance of these documents? Well, as our drafting progressed, our objectives evolved a bit. Where we've landed is that we hope to increase the quality of ICFR broadly. We hope to get in front of potential conflicts that might develop between public companies and their auditors as they adopt these two new accounting standards, hopefully minimize the disagreement about what's needed and what's considered good practice. It's the first time CCR has done anything like this, in-depth guidance on ICFR by preparers for preparers. One of the ways that our thinking evolved during the project 
is we quickly got away from a highly structured template and instead allowed the documents to vary a bit in exact content and form to be responsive to the subject matter. In short, we hope to make things better. And after we see how these two documents are received and what kind of feedback we get, then we'll make some decisions about whether to do more. At this point, we're really eager to get them out and hear feedback on whether people find them helpful. And I'm curious, Laura, how did you select uh, CECL and leases? We wanted to take on pieces that were manageable and bite-sized, not something that would have been overly broad. And the newness of in the adoption of new accounting standards was attractive to us, that we would have the opportunity to prevent or at least reduce conflict proactively versus try to resolve existing disagreements after they've been going on for a while. We also like that they're very different accounting standards with different stress points um, in terms of where's the action in adopting them. So we thought they'd make good companions with healthy diversity. Again, that we wanted them to serve as a proof of concept that meaningful guidance can be developed by preparers for preparers on ICFR. And I want to open that up, that question up to Craig and Matt as well. Um, do either of you have any thoughts yes, on that? This is Craig. I can, I can start. At least from a CISO perspective, it really came down to impact and time. You know, we, you know, I selfishly work at a very large bank, and the impact of CISO on the financial services industry and banks, banks in particular, is going to be enormous. So this is definitely something that was exciting to challenge from that perspective because we knew processes and controls were going to change as we move from an incurred loss model to an expected credit loss model. And also from a timing perspective, we have enough runway to make this valuable for preparers given this is not being implemented for many preparers until 2020. You know, folks are probably thinking about, or preparers in particular, are thinking about implementing process, thinking about the ICFR impact of CESOL in 2019. So with, with this issuance happening yet yeah, here in 2018, this will hopefully be extremely beneficial for people that choose to, to use and leverage the document. And what was the process that you went through in drafting these documents? Uh, Laura, maybe we'll start with you. Well, I've been chairing an ad hoc working group within the CCR for these past several years focused on issues in ICFR. It's been a passion project of mine because more than a decade ago, I was on the staff of the PCOB and worked on their internal control standards. Now that I've been on the controllership side of things for a while, I continue to have strong views that good internal control is healthy for our capital markets and the right thing for public companies when it's done well. Although the CCR had this ICFR working group already in place, these two pilot documents demanded deep subject matter expertise in both ICFR and leases and CECL. Early on, we organized two sub-teams dedicated to each document And we're all fortunate to have had Matt lead the leases team and Craig lead the CECIL team. And Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about um, what the process was like for you? Sure. So for leases, the approach was fairly simple. We, We designed a working team across a number of companies, as well as input from the accounting firms. 
We kind of rallied around two key concepts. We wanted to prepare a document that was concise and practical. You know, we recognize the FASB guidance is very, very long, and rightly so, over 300 pages, and there's a lot of accounting firm guidance that's very, very detailed. We thought we could be a little bit different in making sure that we could provide a really concise, actionable feedback. And so a lot of our perspective is more about tips and tricks and uh, practical experience from these companies. And Craig, uh, what about your experience in leading the Cecil team? Yeah, I would echo a lot of what just Matt just said. You know, we wanted to keep it concise. And, you know, the, the guidance around Cecil is expansive. You know, the, the ultimate process that we went through was research, draft, review, and repeat. And honestly, I lost track of how many times we went through that exact process, but ultimately was a crowdsourcing of, of knowledge effort across various players within the financial services industry. You know, I reached out to several uh, other banks and, and folks that were responsible for for SOCs and ICFR at those particular banks and really sought their guidance and assistance to help make this a valuable document. And they were instrumental in, in the reviews. There, there was just a lot of reviews that did take place. And we ultimately involved you know, regulators, accounting firms, and, and, and industry groups. So I feel pretty confident with the, with the end product that we've we've pulled together. Laura mentioned earlier that this was the first time that CCR had done anything like this, um, an in-depth guidance on ICFR for preparers by preparers. Um, So Matt, what do you hope other preparers will learn from these documents? And then maybe um, some thoughts on who the audience is for these documents. We did our best to make sure this document was inclusive for all preparers across the spectrum of leasing. Um, that intent was really inspired by our experience on revenue recognition. You know, we recognize a lot of companies spent a lot of effort uh, going through contracts, revising operating processes to adopt to the revenue recognition standard, and now leasing is coming up next. And we recognize leasing also requires a significant effort for all companies to work through those leasing contracts. But leasing is a little bit different because leasing is primarily a corporate effort. There's less focus with companies to operationalize leasing by individual scorecard or sales uh, score, uh, sales budget tool. Uh, in that respect, what we did is we created three tiers for our controls activities. The tiers were insignificant, significant, and material. In many ways, the approach for insignificant material is fairly intuitive, but we also attempted to address situations where companies may have a large amount of leases, but the overall balance sheet recognition is not material to finish statements take as a whole. And we think this scaling is important and very helpful, and it will address all potential preparers. So some control activities we think are relevant for companies where leasing is insignificant, significant or material. Conversely, other control activities we think are more relevant when you go further down that spectrum. And we think the stratification of controls will help companies kind of guide how to right-size their implementation plan for ICFR. And Craig, on the CECL document, um, who do you see as the audience for that one? Simple answer is everyone. Yes, it's mainly focused on financial services institutions and, and mainly banks within that realm. But we do have an appendix within the CISO document for um, at least to analyze the impacts to non-financial institutions and how to think about CISO because CISO was in a standard developed just for financial services institutions. It was developed for everybody um, with re- 
all preparers with regards to thinking about expected credit losses. Any preparer that has available for sale debt securities, for for instance, are is going to be impacted by this new standard, which is a bigger bigger group than just financial services institutions. And Craig, maybe you can give us an example of an insight that's included in the Cecil document. Yeah, no, I'll give you actually I'll give you two. I'll give you give you one, but I'll give you a bonus one. So the the first is what we wanted to do is put real life risk and control examples within the document. What we've seen in the past by others, whether it's accounting firms, regulators, things of that nature, we've seen people use generic risk and controls, and that has been helpful to some extent, but we thought that maybe putting in real-life examples, you know, taking um, controls that other banks are, are using or considering as they, they develop CISO, that that would be more beneficial for preparers to leverage. Again, this is an, this document is not meant or intended to be a one-size-fits-all document. It's going to depend on the size of the firm, the capabilities, the industry, so on and so forth. But we thought that having the real risk and control examples would be something that preparers would like to see that they haven't seen before. And then the bonus one I'll have for you is, and, and Laura touched base on this during her introduc- introduction, is that ICFR can be complex and judgmental. And one of the hardest parts about ICFR, I think, is around management review controls and just the type of documentation and evidence needed around management re- review controls, especially those around complex areas or or higher level management review controls. So we have an appendix within the document to tackle uh, that particular subject matter. And hopefully that will be of significant benefit for for preparers as as they leverage this document. And Matt, maybe you can give us an example of an insight that's included in the leases document. One of the dilemmas with leasing is the hardest part is the first step, um, which can be frustrating and aggravating. Um, The first step for leasing is to collect all the contracts in a company. Um, And I think everyone can quickly relate that that's a very daunting task. And so we provided some tips and tricks to think about ways how to slice and dice that effort to make it a little bit more manageable. Uh, For example, for some companies, there's a centralized process to manage real estate. If you have the benefit of that fact pattern, you can develop a really clear, intuitive set of control processes to pull the real robust process for the accounting for leasing for real estate. For many other companies, equipment leasings are very pervasive across operating divisions, locations, and multiple sites. That might require a very different set of control processes and uh, approaches to kind of address the overall standard. And pulling together those different characteristics might build a better and smarter plan in totality without driving a one-size-fits-all solution. Matt, what was one of the biggest takeaways from your experience? I mean, maybe it was obvious to the start, but it was, it's been a pleasure to go through this process to learn how much smarter and aware I am of the leasing process. Um, going through this effort has made my company's approach stronger based on the exchange of ideas. And we're hopeful that that this benefit will bleed over to others as well. So hopefully as companies go through this document, have a chance to take the benefit of our suggestions and our model, there may be some benefits for others as well. And Craig, any any big takeaways for you? What's 
become abundantly clear to me is that preparers, and not just preparers, but industry groups are, are thirsty for this type of guidance, you know, preparers for, by preparers for preparers. When I had brought this idea when we were just in kind of the, the formulation of this idea and what it was going to look like, you know, we had reached out to industry groups and, and others to garner feedback, you know, is this something that you think would be valuable? And overwhelmingly, yes, was the answer. But I'll share one of the quotes uh, that I thought was really enunciated that yes was from a prominent in, uh, industry group within financial services. And what this individual said was that this was this document was an answer to his prayers. <laughs> and, and when I heard that, I knew we were on the on the right path. So hopefully and. And I, I shouldn't say hopefully, I know this document will be something that industry groups, preparers, and others will be able to leverage. And that's what makes it so exciting to be part of this part of this process. And finally, Laura, I'd love for you to tell FEI members and other listeners how they can actually access the documents. For many folks who've accessed the podcast report recording, you could see a link right below the recording. Others could go to FEI's website on financialexecutives.org. The documents are free to anyone. Simply search on ICFR Insights and they should come up. In the postings and in the documents themselves, there's an open invitation for readers to provide us with feedback or to get involved going forward. You can reach the core team that's been involved developing these documents by emailing techact at financialexecutives.org. Thank you, Laura. It was great speaking with you all today, and uh, I want to thank you again for your time. 